Ooh, 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 ooh. Episode ninety-eight, Matthew. We're 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 edging ever closer to um, a celebration, the likes of which has never been known. Um, we're, we're, we you can almost take you can you can smell the mayo on this horror sandwich. You can smell and, and the not mayo. just because it's very badly gone off. No, no, you can you can you can hear vague uh, vague voices talking about the USS Indianapolis in the distance. Um, well, or something like that. Anyway, um, but while we're here, you know, we're we're at episode ninety-eight, and so I think we deserve ninety-eight five-star reviews or something along those lines. Uh, just give us five-star reviews. Or write them. Apparently, written reviews are apparently the best. I don't know why. Yeah, and and tell ninety-eight of the people that you know, yeah, to, to listen to the podcast. Share it with your friends. And and strangers and you know those, those loved ones that you don't really like you know some of them as well just yeah. just tell everyone you know yeah, maybe the odd enemy if you've got an enemy or it's rare to have an actual enemy isn't it unless you become some kind of superhero Mm-mm. anyway so what else and also join our Facebook group. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Join our Facebook group with those regular discussions where you can get involved in the um, in the discussion that week. But um, yeah, this week, let's get into the episode. We're going to tell you what the episode is when we get into the episode. So you'll have to wait for that. Rather. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. What are horror sandwiches? Well, it's a lovely slice of chatty goodness with a movie filling. I don't normally say it like that. I don't know why I did. But but we're having a little change. It's episode 98. Um, but before I tell you that change, I'll introduce myself as Mark. And here's my co-host, Matthew. Hello. Hello. I mean, this isn't episode 98 for me, is it? This is like episode like 56 or something. <laughs> Who knows? I've, I've not even been keeping well, track of mine. I haven't been on all of them either. So um, I think so technically, you know, it, 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 but it's not it, that that doesn't matter, does it? As long as the tally, as long as it tallies up. It's a community achievement. Yeah. The, it's, it's 98 for the listeners. Exactly. To be celebrated. 98 plus bonuses as well, technically. I think we've recorded more than 100. So, you know, you're getting more than your money's worth, really. Uh, anyway, so episode 98, guess what we're going to do, everyone? Uh, we're going to build you a big old doorstep sandwich. Over the next three weeks, we're going to, or should I say, over the next two weeks, we're going to give you a lovely slices of bread with a Toppings. Toppings? I don't like the word toppings. It sounds very funny. Um, so, yeah, over the next two weeks, Matthew and I are going to go down our... Go down or go up our top ten list. Probably go up it, really, isn't it? 
I guess it's descending order, isn't it? So we're going to be going from 10 to 1, so it would be weird doing it otherwise. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're going to be doing our top 10s for you. Um, so you'll be getting two large slices of bread, followed by a lovely, lovely Jaws filling. Sort of a fish filling, really. It's sort of a tuna sandwich. Um, but not really. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a shark sandwich. Uh, which is unfortunate that that is a Spinal Tap reference, uh, which isn't a horror film, uh, and upsets me a little bit. Yeah, also something we not we don't condone. Don't don't eat sharks. They're endangered, baby. They're endangered, maybe. I mean, some of them are. Some of them are fine. I think some of them are all right. Kill some of them, I say, or we say. Uh, find out which ones aren't and go kill them. Uh, or don't. I probably shouldn't be suggesting that people go kill animals, should I? Uh, I suppose it. It's a weird not, start today, isn't it? It's not really an influ. I'm not really an influencer in that way. I don't think I can influence people in such a way. Um, but maybe I can. Maybe there'll be a Daily Mail article, podcast, hoping to kill you. Yeah, I, I, I just say, please don't. Please leave, leave the sharks <laughs> be. Be nice to your local sharks. And your local jets. Hey. There we go. We've, got, we've spoken about more non-horror movies than we have horror movies now. I'm quite proud of myself for that. Um, I don't think I should be, but I am. Uh, so, yeah. Um, well, should we dig into it a bit? Let's, let's have a little chat about what we what we were doing, where we were going, what... What led us to our top tens? Um, well, firstly, I've got to tell you, I hated doing this. Like it, it's given me not anxiety, but um, it's made me start going uh, questioning things I've said in the past and movies that I love, and like, um, started weighing up whether movies I love were acceptable to have in in a top ten. Or whether it had to be movies that were good, or whether it should be a combination of the both of them, or whether it should be movies that have affected me. So, in the end, I've sort of got a mix of all, really. Um, I think the only thing I've tried to do is I don't have too much in the same subgenre, so they are quite different subgenres. But that wasn't intentional. I've said it like it was, but it wasn't. Yeah, I, th I think I've probably stumbled across a similar thought process to you. So I've, I've tried as much as I can to get different eras of horror, different subgenres of horror, uh, you know, so uh, styles, uh, and and just try to give a broad cross-section I've, I've dumped out a couple of films that were were fairly personal to me uh just because they they, they don't make the cut for a few different reasons uh mm -hmm. i think some that could have made the cut but missed out for various reasons yeah yeah I can see where you're going with that because I've got a list of movies that um, probably I've re-watched more than what's in my top 10 um, 
but I don't wouldn't consider them as being, you know, like top ten movies. So as you said, you know, before they're sort of quite personal to you, um, as movies that you love, but perhaps, you know, yeah, I think the it's a weird one, thing, isn't it? It's a hard one. I think the other thing that we've got as a problem is that. I'm going to be talking about a few films that we've covered as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think I'm um, covering a few that we've already covered. So I think you know, but that's but there are someone here that we that we've never had a conversation about. So that that's something, and uh, and of course, there's, there's this entire proviso as well. Is that this, as with all top tens, top five lists or whatever, like this this. Would be a completely different list if you ask me tomorrow. Almost certain. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's a few films that are dead certs to be on there, but like a couple on a different day, I could have skewed another way. And who knows? Uh, so, yeah. so this is what what we are doing as of the seventh of November when we're recording. This is my <laughs> top ten. <laughs> Next week it may have changed. Uh, <laughs> Oh no, you'll have to keep it as it is, I suppose. Oh no, you've got to have to stick with no, this it's, for it's a week. written down. It's not moving. You're going to have to stick uh, with it for at least a week. Uh, yeah. Well, the thing is, I think the top five that we're going to be with the you know releasing next week is that that's they're they're more concrete. You know, a couple of them might have dropped out of the top five for other reasons, but the top five, I'd pretty much say it. They would all still be in the top ten at least. So there you go. Okay. Next week's safe. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm similar. I think it was the bottom of the list that I struggled with more. Um, but the only other thing that I've really done on mine is I've omitted any Hitchcock um, because uh, mostly because if if I'd allowed myself some Hitchcocks on the proviso that they could be seen as horror movies. Um, I probably would have had a lot more Hitchcock films in my um, in my list. So I think what I might do is just promise people that we'll get around to at some point doing a top five Hitchcocks, and then I can uh, yeah, I, I, I can mean, watch I, lyrical I, about that. I struggled with that too. Uh, I'm I'm just going to say Psycho's number eleven. <laughs> you know, it it really should be in the top ten, but. It for for personal, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not even going to say taste because, like, how can you not love Psycho? But for personal yeah. reasons, that I can't quite articulate. It, it no. didn't make the cut. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm with you 100, and I'm sort of glad that we both. Because um, I'd say it's probably somewhere in my 11. Um, I think I probably got Eraser ahead in my actual 11, um, but Psycho would be sort of, you know. I've got a lot of elevens, I would say. I've got I've got loads of elevens, yeah. Loads of elevens. Um So so if you know, if, if you we don't say a film that you that you love and you think should be in your top ten, it, it, it's our eleven. <laughs> yeah. Well we and might also um, this is just a bit of fun, don't take it too seriously. I think what we might do next week is we'll uh, we'll discuss some of those elevens um once we've finished our top ten just to see what we would have thought. I think that might, might be something. Um, at least then we can sort of homage to the ones we didn't quite get through. Um, so, 
Should we start? Should we get into it? Should we Should we go for it? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're going to start with me, aren't we? I, I get the first first honor. Oh. Okay. Uh, so yeah, well, this is that that, that problem again because it is an episode that we've done. But my number ten is going to be Alien. All right. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's this is my monster movie, uh, also my my sci-fi horror movie uh, for the list. It's, I mean, again, if if you want our full thoughts on this, just go back and listen to the episode. But it's so, it, it's so wonderful. It's atmospheric. It's it's dark and shitty, and it's all made by these. Sorry, it's populated by all these people that are just trying to do a job and just get thrown into the worst workday of their lives because the bosses are just uncaring monsters that we, I mean, we don't even see them, but, you know, uh, and, and things just go south for them in, in just the weirdest and most spectacular ways. You know, at the start of the film, you're never going to turn around and say, right, well, you know, the, the, we know there's an alien, it's called Alien, and we know there's going to be some monster about and that they're going to be in danger. But you can never predict at the start of the film that there's going to be the, you know, the chest burst scene, that there's going to be one of the crew is a robot and, you know, that... There's also that really visceral, horrible moment we spoke about where he, uh, he, you know, Ash tries to kill Ripley with the magazine, which is just... Yeah, it's awful. God awful. <laughs> and there's just... It, it's populated with all of these just fantastic run-of-the-mill horror things, but in a setting and populated by characters that elevate the film so, so much. Hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's, it's an amazing film. We, like you say, we did the episode and it was one of those movies and there's been quite a few, I think, over this where um, I haven't really unpacked my thoughts about it until we talked about it. Um, you know, and just talking about it made me realize that it's such a good film. Um, and well, I don't need to say anything more about what the, than what you just said. Um, there's nothing to add. Yeah, listen to the episode if you want uh, more, or re-listen yeah. to it if you yeah. if you've already listened to it once. If it's still there, I think it is. Some of them that went away. Um, I've been asked about that in the Facebook groups. I'll address. Probably just address that quickly now is that I just um, some of those early episodes where it was just me doing plot rundowns. I, I don't like those to be what people find the podcast as being. So um, I think I think Alien is one of the ones that made the cut. So I think we're all right on that one. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, quick sidebar that one. Anyway, so here's my number ten, and uh, I sort of giggled when you said yours because my number ten is. I said it's not a similar film, but uh, it's similar in terms of it's set in space. So I've got 2007 Sunshine, uh, Danny Boyle. Danny, oh, Danny Boy. 
Yeah. Danny Boy. Oh, yeah. Um, I saw Sunshine actually for the first time this year uh, during my Let's Watch Lots of Movies thing. Um, and I actually got onto it through a podcast that someone else was talking about it. Um, and it was... I don't know why I'm being coy. There was, it was, uh, if you know who Mr. Sunday Movies is, um, then he was talking about it on a on another podcast. So I listened to it and I was like, oh, it sounds like a good film. And I watched it and it just took me by surprise. Um, and I wasn't expecting it to be a sort of horror film. And it, and it is and it isn't up until the sort of back maybe 20 minutes, maybe a little bit more than that, when... Um, man burned by sun shows up and starts killing everybody um but it's just a really really visually beautiful film it's sat the sound's fantastic it does some really great like shots and stuff that make you feel uncomfortable and jump cuts and stuff like that and it's just a it's just a really really enjoyable film and um one of the things i really like about it is that it has this group of, I guess the, the the astronauts sort of, aren't they? And but everyone's like really competent at their job. It just so happens that things start going tits up. So yeah, I really like it. It's it's dark. It's weird. Yeah, good stuff. Do you think that with space, uh, much like uh, underwater, which we well, I'm sure we'll get to uh, at some point, that it it takes a lot less for a space film to be a horror than anywhere else just because it's it's inherently scary it's it's unknowable it's dangerous just to just to be there in the first place is an an enormous risk yeah um so when things start going wrong that they're amplified just just from that straight away yeah, for sure, for sure. I I often find that, um, you know, like movies like this that are set in space, like this and um, even Event Horizon and Alien, it, the ships themselves, despite being big, are also very small in terms of, you know, like when everyone's in an environment, it feels very, you know, like claustrophobic and, you know, it it's, uh, yeah, it's good. And this movie does a good job for that. I presume you've seen it. <laughs> I, I saw it yonks and yonks ago. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you all that much about it, remembering it now. Uh, off the top of my head, I'd probably say it's the second best Danny Boyle film. All right, okay. Uh, I, could, I could only think of Trainspine that, that, that runs it close. Uh, yeah, but again, that that's just freewheeling off the top of my head. I could be dead wrong, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I remember loving it uh, then, and that, yeah, it's giving me the kick up the arse to watch it again. I think. Yes, I watched it again today just to make sure that I do like it. <laughs> well, I mean, you already did give me that that kick up the bump to watch it because I saw you reviewing on Letterbox, so. Uh... So yeah, I I need to I need to revisit Sunshine. Uh not just because it's autumn here now. Hey. Hey. Yeah. Hey. 
Uh, actually, the, there's Thank something you. else about the the fact that they managed to play out the son in that as being not necessarily an evil character, but um, I don't know the way they just work around the son as being almost addictive. It's um, it's good stuff. I guess it kind of is addictive. Oh, anyway, go on then. Number nine. Okay, so yeah, I, my number nine uh, is a film that. Is is one of those horror films where you can see its footprint loom large over horror filmmaking for for a long time, and I it is going to be the original Wicker Man. Oh yeah, excellent! Again, I only saw this year for the first time. Yeah, so it's. I mean, folk horror is is its its own genre now, isn't it? It's, it's a huge part of of horror movie making. It, it's so unbelievably popular, but every single folk horror film, probably ever, uh, owes a debt to the Wicker Man. Yeah, you know, it, it is it has weaved itself within all of them. You know, and and they they talk about uh, if you've seen there's just a fantastic documentary called Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, which I'm pretty sure I've mentioned before. Mm. Uh, they talk about sort of the sort of the holy trinity of folk horror, uh, and it is the Wicker Man, the Witchfinder General, and Blood on Satan's Claw, and they all came out around the same same era. But the Wicker Man is is the one that that captured the imagination and it, it's not just that the wicker man is a great film which i'm going to keep sort of my thoughts to it you know a little bit guarded because you know we want to talk about it on a future episode but it was just such a mess at every stage and, and i think it was it was only christopher lee out of everyone involved with making it that realized that they were onto something special yeah, right. And, you know, he was such a champion for it. And, and when it was so just chaotic and, and terrible as as a film shoot and as a way to make a movie, just to come out with something so transcendently special, again, it, it's, it, it's something that you could only put down to witchcraft. <laughs> like something somewhere has has had some kind of guiding hand. I mean, probably Christopher Lee himself because he was all into the occult and and all that business. So, you know, it was probably him. But the the, the fact that they made it and it, it's been so enduring and it is still so iconic. And, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop talking about that, but it is just an incredibly special film. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I didn't. I don't think I knew what I was get going into when I watched it, but yeah, it was um, fantastic, and it's got amazing soundtracks. It's worth downloading and listening to. Um, yeah, I mean, even even that is also something that that shouldn't work because this film is it's practically a musical. Yeah, essentially, it is. Yeah, and yeah, and a horror movie musical just should not be possible. Yet they've done it, <laughs> you know. And, how how do you manage that? 
Yeah, it, 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 it's amazing. Uh, and I mean, ultimately, I think what it is, is the songs are out of place in the movie. They're out of place. And that's what makes it feel very strange. Um, it's good atmosphere. It's a good movie with a good atmosphere. Um, yeah, go watch The Wicker Man if you haven't seen it. You really should. Not the yeah, Nicolas Cage we'll, one, though. But we'll definitely have to to get around to doing it just to Absolutely. wash the taste of Nicolas Cage's version out of our mouths. Uh, the more I think about that film, the more I remember. Maybe I liked it. Um, but I think I just I like the, the Nicolas Cage by it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so my number nine is a sequel to a movie that, and people might be surprised that I've chosen this, but I've gone for Doctor Sleep. Um, okay. Which is essentially a sequel to The Shining, um, book-wise and film-wise. Um, directed, of course, by Mike Flanagan, who does an excellent job with this movie of um, managing to um, make it good, sort of faithful to the book, but also managing to sort of tie it into the Stanley Kubrick movies. And he, he does a really great job at that. Um, I like I like this film partly because I find it a really easy watch. There's something about it that's not... I'm, I'm not going to say not quite horror because it is, um, it is for sure horror, but there's something about it that's more... I don't know whether it's adventure or fantasy, something like that. Um, do you know what I mean? There, there is a, an element of of a jaunt, isn't there? I think you know, there's quite a lot of there's a lot of traveling about, isn't there? You know, moving from place to place. Yeah, but one of the reasons that I chose this film is partly because I think Rebecca Ferguson is brilliant in it. But also because it's got one of the most terrifying moments in in horror. Um, spoilers if you haven't seen this, but at some point the sort of the vampire characters and I can't remember what they're called now, the hand or something like that. I, I've forgotten. Um, they they kill a child, um, but it's done slowly and really like the kid who plays um, the the boy who's being sort of essentially slowly devoured, the, the devouring his fear. It's just, it's actually hard to watch, I think. Really, um, a really great moment in a movie surrounded by a movie that I just in, enjoy watching. But yeah, it's, um, it's pretty scary stuff. I wish I could remember the name of the kid because um, I think he was in another film. So have you have you read the book? I have, yes. Right, I I haven't. I, I've seen the film. I've read the I've read the book of The Shining. Obviously, I've seen seen the film of The Shining. Uh, and I remember watching Doctor Sleep and just thinking that there there is no way that this is an adaptation of the book. I mean, I I would get that there's a degree of it in there because. The, the the book of the shining and the the film are are broadly the same. You know they 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 divert in some key places and whatnot. 
And I remember watching the film, it's not possible because he's he's trying to you know merge these two versions of the same you know the story. So how how true to the book is it? Um, it's actually pretty close. Um, aside from, I would say, but in the book, Danny struggles a lot more with the alcoholism um, than you see in the movie. In the in in the book, he's um, you know they really focus a lot harder on the trauma that he's been through, and now he's ended up um, essentially becoming his father, who you know. Obviously, he didn't want to be, but again, I don't think they do that very well in The Shining either. It's not, it's not, the alcoholism's not quite as. Anyway, that's a Stephen King thing, though, isn't it? Because he's a he's a well known sort of alcoholic um, or recovered, sorry, recovered alcoholic. But I think the only thing that massively that changes is towards the end of the movie, it becomes a bit more, you know, like oh, remember Stanley Kubrick and all that stuff. Whereas I think in the book. They go to where the hotel was, but I believe it had been knocked down. So, but I mean, it's small changes that don't make that much that much difference. I'd say it's a pretty faithful adaptation. Yeah, so um, that does pretty much answer my question because the main thing is when they go to the Overlook at the end of uh, Doctor Sleep. Yeah. Sp- spoiler alert for the the book of The Shining, but the hotel blows up at the end, doesn't it? So it, do- it does. Yeah. yeah. I, I just couldn't believe that they would have. They would have gone to to that, but yeah, I I am a big fan of Mike Flanagan. I think he's he's one of the most important figures in horror in this century. He he's I, I can't think of a project he's done that's that's missed the mark entirely. There's always quite a lot to like within them. Uh, Personally, I think he struggles with endings, but that's <laughs> that's just just my thinking. And I don't think that necessarily applies to Doctor Sleep. I think that's again, like we said, you know, it's it is solid all the way through at the very least. Yeah. Uh and and yeah, I honestly I am this one is a bit of a left field one for me. I didn't think I uh I'd be hearing this from you, but but I like it. It's nice, it's a good film. Yeah, yeah. I I, I love it. Um, I'd say if I was to categorize it as like the, it made it in because I'd say it made it in because I find it very rewatchable. Um, and so. which version would you recommend the the theatrical the, the director's, the director's cut, which is a long movie, it's three hours something I think, which is not something I can sit through, and yet three hours something I can sit through this so. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure which is the one that that I saw. I'm pretty sure it must have been the theatrical. I think probably, I would have remembered. Probably three hours. Anyway, I found the name of the kid. It was it's Jacob Tremblay is the name of the 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 actor who plays. Oh yes, he's he's done yeah. done quite a bit as an he's a, yeah. He's, he's a quite, talented young man. He is, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, shocking stuff. Um, oh, let's do egg then. Okay, so my number eight, uh, I'm going to, to to retread a lot of the things I said about The Wicker Man, but but possibly more so uh, because my number eight is is the grandfather of all horror movies, and it is Nosferatu. 
Oh, right. I still haven't got around to it. Well, I think that's going to be uh, a bit of a, the, the tricky one for, for this because when it's uh, any any other film, uh, apart, you know, we, we have things like we just said, your director's cuts and your different edits here and there, but it, it's uncommon that there's something like that for, for a lot of a lot of films. Whereas Nosferatu is, it's a silent movie from the twenties. So everybody's only going to be experiencing the same sort of half of the movie, aren't they? They're only going to be able to see the same pictures while the music could be, could be anything. And I think that could, could possibly, I, I don't think it's ever going to, deter anyone from saying that it's a good film or not because it it is a bona fide classic for a reason but it, it may uh sway someone as to say you know how good it is mm. i saw it with with a live organist uh he was just, he was basically just improvising the uh you know the whole score based off uh, I assume he'd seen the film before, but you know, beats and feelings that he was going through uh, while watching the film, and it was also in in a cathedral. So it's like the I don't think you could get much better settings than that. But even you know, with all of that said, it is just it's just an incredible film. You know how much of you know, current vampire movies are, are traced back to this in terms of look and the techniques that they borrow, the scares, the your know, character design, the world building, even even the story is is just used over and over again, and it's one of, if not the first horror film. And none of us would be here without this it. podcast without it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been on my list for ages and ages. But I think the only reason I haven't really watched it is because the only one I can find is a, is a very poor quality. I'm sure they must have cleaned one up by now. But the one I've the one I've saw saw was, was a very poor quality. And I think I get the feeling I'd really like to save myself for a cinema experience of it. Um, I think that would that would be one to really see on there, wouldn't it? Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm again. Uh, I don't. I don't actually know if there is sort of a theatrical cut with the soundtrack or anything. You know, if there's like an agreed upon score for it, because obviously when it was made, you know, reels were sent out to to theaters, and and they would just have someone playing the organ. Uh, yeah, of So, I don't, I don't know if there was sheet music printed or anything like that. I'm, honestly, I don't actually know if that was ever a thing for, uh, no. you know, for films at the time. Why don't we but aim it's... to cover it in the future and we'll dig into it? Yeah, def- definitely we should. And yeah. and also, I've, I've, I'm sure I have said this before on the podcast. The scene where Nosferatu is is going up the stairs in silhouette is the greatest shot in in all of horror movie making 
possibly all of cinema. It's I, I can't think of anything that would ever top that. Wow, it it is it's perfect. It, it it's stylized. It's it, it's scary. You know, it, it conveys everything that it is trying to convey and wants to convey, and does it in just such a like a cool and yeah, sty- stylized way. Just chef's kiss. <laughs> well, surprisingly, I'm vaguely mirroring you again with my uh, eighth. It's it's not, but I've also got an old movie here, which we've done, which we have done on the podcast, but you weren't here for, which is King Kong 1933. Um, as I partly included this because you know watching monster movies with my dad was probably. You know, probably what opened the door to horror to me, really, when I think about it. But um, also, you know, for, for a lot of what you just said about Nosferatu, when I talked to Alistair about it on the podcast, we saw so much of the future of cinema here, um, you know, considering the time that it was made. And it it just, it has aged, but it's aged in terms of how how you would have expected a movie of this of this to have aged but it it's not a bad thing to look at it looks great once and once you get to kong once you get into the the sort of island and everything it just moves along at such a delightful click and it's like um to me it's a special effects wonder piece you know really how they managed to do so many of these things is just it's just amazing so yeah um you know like I say, I think the building blocks of the future horror, are here, you know, stemming from you know from your film to well, um, there were films between this, but this is an influential picture too. So it's just amazing to watch. But the only thing I don't like about this film is the is the final line of, I guess it was beauty that killed the beast because you know it was the planes, definitely the planes. Um, I don't think she wanted to be up there. In fact, <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah. I think going <laughs> off what you, you just said, uh, I mean, I, I disagree with you about the line because I think it's 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 etched itself into the cinema history, and I think with good reason. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the the history of cinema is littered with you know films that you'll know, take you'll know, tiptoe their way forward with progress. And then every now and again, films come along that take these huge, great leaps. You know, thinking that the, the films that we've just mentioned, uh, 2001, uh, I think Avatar, The Lord of the Rings, you know, every now and again, they'll just, there'll be this huge step where you just think, oh, this is, you know, this is the future. This is never going to get old. This is, just cinema in its most, in its purest form, and mm. and King Kong is, it is, without doubt, one of those, one of those films. I mean, the fact that somebody went, was it seventy years later, with all of the the technology that had developed since, and couldn't make a better film. I mean, that's, yeah. 
that that's testament to, to what it is. And it, it, to me, that's not just saying that that the you know contextualizing it in in its place in history. The the original King Kong is better than the most recent King Kong film. Yeah, it is. It, it just it just is, you know. Yeah. And the fact that it, it's it's fighting off those films seventy years later is. I mean, it tells you all you need to know about how good that film is. Hats off, as it were. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, your seven, then, right. is it? Yeah. My, my seven, yeah. So we're going back into the films that we've covered before. Uh, and yeah, it's just a film I love completely. I've said it loads and loads of times, but I'm picking Scream for my number seven. All right, okay. I, I do have Scream on my list uh, higher up, but we can talk about it twice. <laughs> well, let's park it because we've, we've covered it before. We've spoken about it plenty, so we'll, we'll move swiftly on and we'll get back to it. Okay. Well, my number seven is one that is a movie we've already covered as well. Um, and one we sort of... <laughs> no, sorry, it's a horrible film. Uh, the Terminator. I've got it in 1984, <laughs> The Terminator. Um that's my that's my number seven. As I say we talked about it on an episode. It's essentially a sci-fi time traveling slasher movie that's that's great. You know, sadly the other well the other movies are well Terminator Two is brilliant, but it's not it's certainly not a horror film. Um, whereas the Terminator is just great. Um, but everyone's seen the Terminator. Again, it's another film that we've that, that encapsulates so much of what we've spoken about with some of our others as well, in that you can see the leap forward in the in cinema from the film, you know, with the, the way yeah, that it's true. made and the, the effects with it. And also the the influence that it's had. You know, I don't think we get any it follows without the Terminator. Yeah, very true. Very true. It has it. You know, well, there's there's all sorts of things influenced by the Terminator, and you know, not only that, obviously, you know, this is where James Cameron not quite made his start, but it was certainly early on, and you know, we got a big star out of it from Arnold, who again, you know, it wasn't his breakout role, but it was well, it probably was his breakout, it wasn't his first one, but it was certainly the one that you know pushed him into the. the Just thing it could have been O.J. Simpson. It could have been O.J. Simpson. Um, <laughs> but yeah, The Terminators, um, it's just a, it's just a fantastic movie. Again, probably fits quite easily into that I could watch this over and over thing. Um, and also because it's that the ske- the skeleton scenes, one of a, a, a scene I remember being incredibly scary as a younger person. Uh, bloody thing. Uh, oh, we're getting into the end of this now. Yeah, yeah we. Uh, well, we've all, we've only got one left each, haven't we, for this episode? Oh, exciting! And depressingly so, I'm going to be speaking about another film that we've talked about already. So my number six <laughs> is "Let the Right One In." Ah, right. It did, it, I didn't quite make my um, my list. I, 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 I was trying to find room for it, but I just couldn't, just couldn't fit it in there. Uh, See number eleven. 
yeah, yeah, one of one of my many number elevens. Um, yeah, what an amazing film that is, though. Um, I still think of it as like. I think I, I said this on when we did the podcast about it, but that that movie to me is like a piece of art, and every time you watch it, you know, you know, you see something different, or some part of it means something to you. There's there's so much going on in the whole space. Um, you know, you've got your main focus, but yeah, if you look around, it's it's just a beautiful movie. It's really really great. Uh, yeah, and I think for all that we've you know we've we've said about how great of a film it is. I think it gets in and it gets so high on my list because it's it's so personal to to me as a film viewer because I I just don't think I would be you know a cinephile the way I am today without this film. Wow! Because this is the first proper foreign language film I can remember watching. Uh, right. I mean, which is which is embarrassing. Uh, Given that I think I was about eighteen when it came out, you know, you wouldn't. This is something that can only be said in the English-speaking world, isn't it? So, seeing this film and being so blown away by it, it, you know, it it blew the doors off because it, my, the, the films that were available to me, you know, the films that, that I would consider watching would were, were so narrow, you know, in terms of being made pretty much entirely in the UK or America. Mm. And when I saw this film and, you know, with it being so good and, and being in a different language, it, it just suddenly opened up all of the cinema and, you know, just think of some of the, the films, you know, not just horror, but non-horror as well, that that we had have just missed out on, you know, with, with viewing habits so so narrow. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that I get through a year now without having a, a foreign language film as one of my, you know, top 10 of the year. Right. Just because... Shock yeah. horror. People make great cinema all over the world. Yeah. No, true. I absolutely agree with you there. Um and in fact I think my favourite horror this year's been a foreign language. Um so yeah, no, you are right, and you do, you know, once you once you open that door, there's 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 no closing it. And I think uh it really means something. It really does. Uh, I wish I could remember what my first foreign language movie was, but it might I mean, be. I mean, just just in the last year, just think of some of the the films that we've covered just for the podcast. You know, yeah, yeah. Tale of Two Sisters, I Saw the Devil, Martyrs, Train to Busan. No, right, yeah, yeah. No, we've yeah. we, well, Leather I went in, of course. Um, yeah, yeah, no. It's good stuff, um, and, and I don't think any of them, on. any of them would have, would have been possible. So for me to be covering them on a, a movie podcast without this film, it, it, it is that important to me. I think. Wow, that's amazing. Um, that's going to make my number six not look quite as good. Um, <laughs> it's, 
Should, should we cover? Should we start with your number six next week so we can have a, a bit of a bombshell ending for this one? No, let's just do it because um, this is um, this is a movie that has been covered on the podcast in the past, but I've never spoken to you about it. So my number six is Paranormal Activity. Um, Paranormal Activity for me is one of the first, not first movies, but one movie that I can remember being truly scary. Um, and I know a lot of people disagree, but it's just one of those kinds of films. Um, I watched it. Somebody gave me a sort of disc and I watched it on a laptop and it was just like, you know, one of those genuine, I'm going to have to turn the lights on before I go to bed moments. Um, it's, you know, it's a, a success story in terms of, you know, in fact, I would say that this, um, this is vaguely what you, what you were sort of talking about. This is, this is a movie that came along and, and did something different and changed the sort of face of, of horror, sometimes for the good, sometimes not necessarily. But what I did was show filmmakers that they could make something scary on a low budget, but good. Um, which, you know, is, it was really great for this film. I can't remember exactly, but I think it was like 15,000 or something like that it was made for. And it's still, I think it still technically holds a record for highest profit movie. Um, although that, that's just not part of it. I think it, it, it's just, a, it's just a really, you know, great concept, nothing going on until something's really going on. But, um, yeah, paranormal activity. It's it's good. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, this is and paranormal activity. I only watched because of the podcast as well. So this is no right. Okay, uh, this was the the early days, wasn't it? I think mm. maybe I'd already been on for my my first mm. go at this point. Uh, but yeah, this is when I was I was just watching along to listen. Oh right, okay. And yeah, I think uh, you know what we were saying before about films taking these big leaps there there are there are other films that are sort of the natural conclusion of where things are going in cinema uh there there's a film that i, I was kind of thinking on this for uh but I, I know that we're going to talk about it later uh, and it's not one of my films <laughs> where things things develop in such a way normally technology-based, mm -hmm. uh, where you just think, of course, this this film comes about because it, it has to, you know. Uh, the, all it takes is the right person with the right idea, and, it, and it's going to go. And Paranormal Activity is definitely one of those. A again, you know, you think of uh, the, the other one that I'm immediately thinking of that, there was that kind of film uh, without saying the other one that we're going to talk about later it is like Toy Story you know when you when you just know that there's going to be a computer animated film you know computers are developing to this point uh, eventually it's going to you know someone's going to do it to make an entire film and this was the case you know when people were making films that are you know when film just stops being used you know we weren't using film. We were using just data cards and, and memory 
chips. Yeah, know? yeah, right, yeah. Uh, and then that brought the costs down for cameras and and digital just technology as a whole and, and editing in that way. Right, you just knew that there was going to be the opportunity for someone who was, you know, well outside of the, the traditional studio model but was going to be able to pick up uh, a cheap camera, some cheap editing software, and, and knock together something great. And, and, and you know, we'd already had a few cracks at that, and we, you know, with Blair Witch and, uh, you know, the found footage films in between this. But, I don't know, Paranormal Activity just tapped into a sort of zeitgeist that most of those films just didn't. And I think that's it. that's exactly what it is. It's that because there's there's nothing going on until something's going on, it just makes it that that so much more scary because of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad that you like it too. Um, it's one of yeah, the. Yeah, I mean, I, I I wouldn't have ever put it in the running for my top ten. Uh, you know, it's not not that kind of film for me, but I can certainly appreciate everything that it's it's done and and has you know inspired since as well mm. yeah for definite it's um it's just it yeah well I, we don't need to say any more about it um oh well there you go then we've done it we've 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 achieved an episode um yeah this is your your first slice of bread this is your first slice of bread next week we're going to prepare the second slice of bread um with five through one. Um, but while I'm here, I want to do a few bits. Um, so uh, Matthew's put a Facebook post up on the podcast. So if you want to predict what you think our top fives will be, or even what our top 10 was going to be, and put your own in, we'll sort of go through those next week. But the other part of it is when uh, episode 100, uh, again, I put this in the Facebook, but I don't know there if everyone listens, but um, I'd really love to add some audio clips in of people who listen to the podcast. You can either talk about Jaws or you can talk about the podcast or you can just say whatever it is that you want to say. And if you can send, if you just want to send a voice note to create creative psychopaths pod at gmail.com, I'll include it in the episode and I'll try my best to make sure that Matthew can listen to them throughout the, um, as part of the episode as well. So, um, you know, I think that'll be something fun to do. We're really going to try and celebrate as much as we can when we get to episode 100 and just, you know, have a bit of fun with it, enjoy ourselves and enjoy, you know, everything we've built together. So, um, but until next week, um, when we do five through to one, um, what is it? Well, you can't take the sandwich with you. We're still making it. So no, just, just enjoy Enjoy how masterfully we cut this slice of bread. Savor it. Savor the. You could get a set square to measure the angles. It's it's that good a cut. <laughs> right. Well, should we just go then? Let's go. Right. Bye, everyone. See you soon. Bye, bye. Bye. Oh shit! I thought I wasn't recording.